colonialism is not a thinking machine, nor a body endowed with reasoning faculties. It is violence in its natural state, and it will only yield when confronted with greater violence. The Black Rapport Radio Show was conceived to teach African people worldwide about ourselves and issues that are important to us. We believe it is our responsibility to school our people as well as people that support us, about us. We speak on our own behalf, unapologetically. Now we're going to take you on an experience through how we see the world, through the minds of our hosts and important guests. Stay tuned. When they so-called abolished slavery, that's when they came up with this prison industrial complex. The United States has more people incarcerated than anywhere else in the world. Black people become serious about the revolutionary struggle that they are caught up in, whether they recognize it or not. When they begin to go down and knock off people who are oppressing them and begin to render these people impotent, that's when the revolutionary struggle unfolds. Not until. You understand what I'm saying? So that means that it's not just about you taking care of your child, it's about you taking care of these children. Black Report Radio with the People's Minister of Information, JR. I'm here with my sisters, the pioneering, entrepreneurial, art curators, medical marijuana activists. I'm talking about none other than the Abasey Lounge host of the KPRO radio show, Melanie and Malora Green. What's up with y'all? How you doing, Jay? What's going on? Good Thanks to have for having me. And it's good to have y'all on my forum. All of yeah. It's so, an honor. Well, thank you guys for coming on. So first things first, we are in the first year of legalization. Um not just in California, but in the epicenter, the Bay Area. What are y'all's thoughts on the legalization process? One, was the law good or bad for cannabis business owners of color? And two, what chapter does this mark? What chapter closes and what chapter opens? Yeah, first I want to just take a a couple steps back and just um, acknowledge that When we think about whatever is happening in San Francisco proper and then also in the Bay Area at large, I guess stepping back even farther and saying California, truthfully, we're behind, you know, Mm -hmm. and honestly, this is something that should have happened here a long time ago. And we get to look at and admire what Denver has been able to do. And my hope with all of this inside of all the talking and the secret meetings or whatever is that we get to do it even better and that we do this with responsibility and that it's inclusive of people who um, have been in this work and acknowledging the power and magic and medicine of uh, cannabis for decades, for centuries. And people have everything from died to been um, to having their freedom taken away, um, to being labeled as, you know, criminals, to being able to not even have 
full-on conversations, but having to operate in secrecy. And so I want to acknowledge that as we take on this conversation because the work that's ahead is making sure that greed doesn't supersede what we all see on the horizon because the work that Melanie and I have always done has been around equality um, and, and equity. And taking up space. <laughs> and taking up space. <laughs> Making space. Yeah, taking up space in a, in a way that doesn't mean um, the layout that, you know, honestly white people hold. Taking up space or being gatekeepers or being space makers um, is one of our specialties, and it's not easy work. It means that you sometimes get to go to the bush and have to machete through, and you bump up against new people, people that you never thought you'd have to talk to or engage, and then you have to figure out how to navigate those conversations. So when we talk about cannabis and the work that these veggies are doing, We've definitely done that um, that work, and it hasn't been on our own. I think when we talk about whether or not it's a good or a bad law, I think this is something that we have to take the good, quote, unquote, with the bad and really be able to um, create our own lane and look at how we can take this opportunity to have the culture be present and how do we really carve apart in this that's not seen right now. And I think until we fully know what's possible inside of this new law, providing licenses, I mean, even having a limitation on them, I get that you have to kind of understand what you have and how it impacts everybody before you can just make it for all. But just even the notion of knowing that there are only a few licenses available is this thing that continues to have people of color biting their nails, figuring out how to navigate conversations, and also being in competition with people who, frankly, are just starting. And so, you know, I can't really say if I think the law is fair. I think it's overdue, and um, we're ready to see what's possible. We're ready to do the work. We're ready to really shake the tree and and get out of this conversation of uh, this being taboo because so many of our elders, our friends, our loved ones have been impacted by not having access to this medicine. And that's the thing that we are really committed to. And I was going to say earlier, you know, when I mentioned people who've been in impact, we can't say that we've been able to even be in the conversation that we're in without people like Chris De La Rosa, who is someone who stepped out of her comfort zone to take on the cannabis conversation out of necessity for her life. She's lived with lupus and has really found cannabis and CBD as a way to heal her body. And so now she's taken a stand to do the same for her immediate family and then for those who have reached out to her by virtue of knowing her story. So for her and people of uh, Benefit Health Collective, now the People's Dispensary, we really are part of a, a chosen few who've been able to take this on and really navigate faster than most. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is really, it's almost like Wild Wild West slash, you know, a horizon 
you know, we can see the the promise in it. I think a lot of people do feel that there the negative piece to this is that okay, it's legalized and now it's even more of a challenge for quote unquote small business mom and pop, so to speak, shops won't be able to really compete with these big corporations who can easily flip from the tobacco that's been, I mean, they took about 10, 15 years to demonize tobacco and to be able to transition into something that they can market as healthier, better, blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, we know that there's that potential. And so I think it's really going to come down to how we choose to work together and what framework can we put in place based on what we've learned from the past. You know, we have to work together. We're not going to always agree. We need to know our worth as a community, and this is for all communities of color, in particular the black and brown community. We have to know our worth. We have to know what we contribute to all cultures and industries that are have any morsel of success is riding off of our intellect, creativity, blood, sweat, and tears. So knowing that, how do we approach this moment in time? And I think that that is really kind of where Melora and I stand, given that we work with the community. It's having conversations with merchants associations. It's being able to listen to people, you know, and their fears and concerns around what this can do from, you know, two communities that have been so damaged by drugs. And how do we turn that language around that this is not a drug, this is medicine? And it's only taken, I would say, 70 years to make it that way. You know, it was it was legal until, what, the 30s, 40s? And then it took until the 50s to really, really have it, you know, criminalized and attached to black and brown communities. So when you look at how this happened in the 1900s, we're in the early part of these 2000s. It didn't take very long. So how can we look at history, even the part that can make us really, really upset? How do we learn from that? And how do we take it and turn it into something that can be for our benefit and for our good, give us some legacy, you know, and some 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 access to the land too. I think it it really the biggest fear is going to have us be interested in this land. Honestly, I think that that's a good point. Specifically, what's going on in South Africa and what we see in the news right now um, with the people fighting for their land. Um, mm-hmm. What part do you think that this plays in? mental health for the black community, horticulture, you know, talk about some of the genres that just this being legalized opens up where our youth and our entrepreneurs may want to get involved. What kind of doors do you guys see opening up? I think it's going to return so many of us to our natural abilities. I think it's going to get us more curious, like I was saying, into the earth, into the ground. And a lot of us are being reborn as our grandparents with those very, very experiences and passions. And I think it's going to give 
new things to look forward to. We went through about 60 years of doctor, lawyer, that's what I want to be, and we're shifting that. And it's been shaken up for the last 20 years, you know, that narrative, even like you got to go to college, like that's even starting to shift. So this is even giving people a new a new something to aspire to, and there's so many things that can be created that if you're really an entrepreneur and if you really have ideas that can be developed, I think you're really you really should jump in and see where your ideas can fit. Yeah, I mean, the thing I think about is that you have people who sit at the table and make various decisions about how this country should operate and truthfully, the world, and the industry got ahead of the people who sat at the table, and we're still ahead of the people. So when I think about this and what's possible, I was talking to Melanie earlier, I said, we really focus on, and we, I mean, Melanie and me, I mean, most companies can use this as a model, and I'm sure they do, but we really focus on people products, and projects. And I think if you take those three sectors and you really think about the buckets that could be filled, you got people, right? So how are you healing the people, be it mental health, physical health, bringing people back to a different quality of life, a better quality of life where they're not using synthetic medicine, Um, being able to use the medicine to expand creativity, being able to use the medicine to calm some of the neurological issues or some of the mental health distresses. We think about products. Well, you have everybody knows someone who makes great shea butter or who makes great oils and tinctures. And these are people who probably are struggling in your neighborhood who haven't been able to develop a full brand for themselves. But with the cannabis industry and with the way things are going, if you jump on that right now, you could be a heavy hitter in this industry especially if you got the aromatherapy and you have the right branding around it. I mean, you also got to think about, well, what are people using to either ingest, smoke, however that is. Maybe you want to come up with your own pipe or maybe you want to come up with your own rolling tray. People, product, projects, projects. Okay, how do you want to bring people together? How, like, that could be everything from a party to a lounge element to whatever. These are things that Melanie and I are already working on right now. But when you ask a question for anyone, you know, like, this is all possible for all of us to take on. And there's no right way to do it. We all have our crowd. Melanie is really serious about creating culture. How do you create culture around this? And, um, these are things that, honestly, in this conversation, we're giving away, seriously, because until we stop navigating in this world like there is lack, then there will always be lack. But if we really focus on the abundance, if we really focus on, you know, the resources that are right here at our hands, and really look at how we are the ones who determine, especially people of color, and let's get down to brass text, like black people, we are the ones who drive the consumer market. We are the ones who drive industry. It's what we say. And so Melanie mentioned earlier, 
knowing our worth, I say remembering our worth because the world follows what we do. And it may sound um, like an immature statement to make, but the world follows what we do. Our hands touch it. We cultivate the relationship. We brand the necessity. People study our moves. They study. They don't let us know, you know, and they definitely do a great job of making us feel less than or bad about what we do naturally. But trust, give it about 10, 20 years, and they'll be doing it too. So if you can just consider the genius that you are right now and the ideas that you have right now when it comes to this industry, don't second-guess your ideas. Try it out. If you fail, it failed, not you. The idea wasn't a great idea, or maybe it needed to be tweaked, or maybe you needed to ask more people, and those are things that we don't do too. So take on focus groups, come up with an idea, utilize us. You know, we all have a platform. JR, you have a platform. We can all do this together to really look at how uh, whatever it is your idea is can, can really be a factor. Um, but mm-hmm. the sky is the limit with this. Totally. And even with, you know, utilizing it with technology, um, how that has an impact and what people are learning and research that, you know, the impact it has on empathy and mental health and how people are able to envision their own organs and parts of their bodies as healthy and how that is really creating success, you know, higher success rates in people's recovery and their ability to be well. Um, we talk about mental health and just health in general. I think people being able to have that freedom of choice, and we're talking about adults here, having the ability to utilize something that can and has been proven to work with anxiety work with pain to support, you know, seizures, all kinds of ailments. And let's just face it, I mean, some people like to get home and kick back and have a glass of wine. Some people, you know, head straight to the bar and have their beer. And that has become an American experience. That has become a cultural experience around the world. That has become, if we're talking about wine, a classy way to relax. And so to demonize and crucify someone who chooses to, you know, smoke, to use edibles or any version of the cannabis um, intake that they choose, to do that to someone who, when they're in that mode, is not going to have the same impact that they're dealing with if they drink too much, let's just say. So I think that, you know, we got to be really honest about what the impact is and allow these negative frameworks of this negative framing, this kind of governmental flow to not allow us to continue to crucify people for what they choose to do, um, to medicate, to relieve, to relax, 
to calm, to think, to create. Let's be honest. Some people utilize it to write, to make music, to tap into another part of themselves. And it can be a beautiful experience. And I think that, you know, we really get away from the stigma. We can embrace the plant. We can embrace the medicine. We can learn more about it, educate ourselves, learn what works for us individually, what works for your body, you know, and and not kind of give it this name because you took something that didn't work for your body, you know. So I think there's room for further education. There's room to see the beauty in it, just aesthetically as a plant, to discover What's there? I think we need to get to know it. I think we need to change the language. You know, I grew up not smoking. I thought it was a loser's habit, you know, growing up in the church in the South. It wasn't something I was even interested in, nor did I think it would be something that I would ever become interested in. And I'm grateful for an open mind, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to recreate what I think has a chance to offer me something in my life. And I can say that, you know, the greens have definitely blessed my face, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, with the social justice work that I do and with the way that I love and care about humanity. It's it's definitely been a benefit, a health benefit for me. It's a revolutionary act, I think, to say so. And it's a revolutionary act when you truly think about – the past that we've had in this country um, with how things are stigmatized based on the color of the the majority. And that's another thing, too. It's not like white people aren't doing this, you know, but we're the ones that end up with um, two hots and a cot. Mm -hmm. So... um, yeah, it's a revolutionary act to be in this time and to and even to be doing the work that we do and to and to have a conversation about it. You know, everybody's navigating and hiding still. And that's not freedom. I mean, that then exhausted a gang of the questions. Well, <laughs> 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 so I guess that's a a great interview when you know, we already know where we're gonna go. Let's get into the cultural aspect of it. I mean, y'all hit on it a little bit when you talked a little bit about how we steer the world's culture, and I've seen that. I've seen that to be true um, in the twelve different countries that I've been to um, all over the world. And so, um, can you get into what do y'all mean? A lot of times we are talking to one crowd, but there's other crowds listening. What do you mean by culture, and what are some of the opportunities? Because I know we've had these conversations without them being recorded, at least that we know of. We wasn't recording them. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Um, What are some of the things? I know that I do radio. Um, Can y'all talk about some of the other cultural opportunities that exist. Y'all talked a little bit about how people can get their own um, cannabis um, products going, but what are some of the other cultural aspects? I think it's it's really about people thinking about what they enjoy, 
you know, what do we really enjoy doing? What do we naturally come together for? So some of the things that are already present, you know, when Melora mentioned, like, you know, what do you roll on? Like, how do you, how do you roll? What is that about? You know, there are different, exactly. You know, there are different ways that we take on the different things that we enjoy. And so to consider, you know, how do I want to experience this? If we're going to say culturally in America, we're going to let go of this whole thing. So how, what are the different things that we can create so that people can enjoy the ganja, enjoy the greens, enjoy their experience with their friends, enjoy an idea session. So that could look like, like Melora mentioned, you know, pipes. That could look like how you, what you roll on. That could look like the type of music that's curated. You know, there are pairings, you know, that can happen. And that looks like events. You know, there are ways that we can talk about papers. We can talk about, you know, culturally, there's a health culture. There's a fast food culture. That, you know, that's what you eat, what you consume, what you add to that consumption. You know, now you got to have a hamburger and the fries. And then it comes with the shake. So there are these different elements that I think remain to be seen. or there are different things that when we talk about what black people add, there are things that we do as a people when we smoke, when we get together, that if there was a way for us to create a product or create a way for there to be, you know, a monetary advantage, we would do it. And I think with cannabis, there's so much there. There's even regional aspects. You know, there's the food then that and when you talk about food there's the storage aspect some people don't want to do the glamour part they want to support infrastructure so there's so many lanes without kind of giving people a thousand ideas it's just sit down one day and open your mind around how you enjoy what you enjoy or what bothers you about it you know some people might say i wouldn't mind people smoking but, man, if that didn't happen, I would be cool. So what could you do to solve that? There's just It's just a lane. It's just an opportunity right now to really think about this experience and what it means to have these different states opening up. That's people consuming. What is missing? And I think a lot of times Black people in particular spend too much time scratching our heads or criticizing something that's clearly moving. And then when things get going, we're upset. And so right now, you know, the thing for me is how do we get over the things we feel conservatively committed to so that our people can win? And I think on the cultural tip, there's just so much there. You know, as an example of what we touched, basketball had been going on before. You know, we start hooping and made it interesting enough such that we have an industry that is moving the way that it is now. A lot of things were happening before we were allowed to touch it, and we did it in such a way. You know, we have such a passion and a finesse, you know, that people want to be around it. 
you know, think about what Snoop is doing, you know, and, and there's so many other minds that need to be at work with this. We need our scientists at work with this. You know, we need people who are excellent with branding and know how to, you know, bring different people together to create different production houses for this kind of movement. You know, it's just, it's time for us to step in on all levels. We need all hands on deck. <laughs> Even if you don't believe in it, fine, don't believe in it, but get on board. I'll just add a little bit of that, you know, Culture is such a a broad term, and of course, you know what we do in our daily lives. We we navigate in the world of art and culture, and when I think about that, I step back and think, okay, being born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, Memphis had a culture. Memphis had a culture where black people eventually decided we run this. Well, what does that look like and what does that mean? And that's one thing to explore. Also, history will be honored. What does that look like and what does that mean? Um, Food has to be at a certain standard. What does that look like and what does that mean? Now, we moved to the Bay Area in 2000 and learned that there was a culture in the Bay Area that mirrored what we experienced in Memphis, but it's so different. And I'll just stick with the Bay Area for a bit because the Bay Area is so special. If you are someone who has an idea, if you are someone who is willing to take the risk, the Bay Area is the perfect place for you because the culture here supports new ideas. It supports in this childlike way. If you're willing to play, it supports in a childlike way for people to be curious, for people to fail, for people, excuse me, for their ideas to fail, for um, connection to happen. Now, there are some people who don't experience the Bay Area this way. I've experienced the Bay Area this way because we just navigate in a different way, I guess. And I'm saying all of that because right now we're in a conversation, a very intentional conversation around Kansas, and we're talking about culture. So from everything that I just mentioned, what does that look like and what does that mean? That means that you, person of color, black person, don't have to do anything but sit and do what you love on a daily basis and think about how cannabis could be an impact for that. If you're rubbing your knees because they are sore, cannabis could be an impact for that. If you are looking to open a bar or a club or you want to have a monthly party, cannabis could be um, an impact for that. If you're someone who works with um, people with mental disabilities or have physical pain in their body, cannabis can be a conversation for that. If you are an artist and you are struggling 
with inspiration, cannabis could be a conversation for that. Cannabis can also be something you use in your art. We just saw that with Renee Yunez for his exhibition, Into the Fade, where he not only used how cannabis impacts his mental disposition or how cannabis paired with chemotherapy blood transfusions, how those three come together. What does he see? What does he feel? He took an honest approach and said, I'm going to create what's in my head and created some of the most beautiful work that I've seen in a very long time. And if you look at his exhibition that he just completed, you would think that five different people were a part of that one show. And I'm saying that because this medicine has the ability, ingested or not, to triple, quadruple your ideas, the effectiveness of them, the options you provide. Um, And so it's as simple as really looking at what do I like to do and how can I be creative about that? and including that. If you're a sculpture artist, make a beautiful pipe or a bubbler. Find a new way for people to ingest. If you're a great chef, use cannabis in your ingredients. Play around with it. Play play around with, um, you know, how much. You know, maybe mm-hmm. you're the first person to come around and, like, really think about dosage. Now you know. <laughs> That's something that Melanie oh. has really been talking about. I'm, I don't want to have to take a bit of a brownie. Yeah. Like shifting, you know, ex- expanding how certain things are already done. This can be the opportunity if you really want to level up on some things. But, again, it really, really is, I think, an open space. And it's it's really for people who – are ready to be open because mm-hmm. there's so many things about the laws that are changing that are trying to grow with how fast people want to move and, you know, really thinking about the implications of some of the things that could be, you know, placed into legislation. So it's really, it's, it's an opportunity to just be with it, but you've got to have a strong stomach and you've got to just have the courage to go with the flow. And the patience, too. Because a lot of times we get mad when uh, we get a no or we feel like somebody's not hearing us and we storm out and that takes us off the table as long as well as um, the possibilities. Yeah. You have to be willing to sit at the table long enough to negotiate. Yeah. Otherwise, it just doesn't work and you lose. So the train will keep moving. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's just really where it is. And uh, and again, you know, we didn't start out and we didn't grow up with with that as a thought, you know, and and just living and being open and and seeing how you know we have relatives who are in their eighties, two beautiful aunts who are in their eighties, and you know, on medication for different things. And when you watch that experience and you hear them talk about how they can't get off this medicine because, 
you know, they could have a stroke or they could have all sorts of this, you know, all sorts of pains and sorts of ailments, you know, and, and when you think about we can stop this, we can stop this, you know, it's, it's, it's what really, what does our generation want to be known for? You know, this is our time to, to really step up and really create a shift that we can say we did that. And it's got to be beyond the music. The music's going to happen and the movies are going to come. We talk about the experience of life that we tolerate. I think that's really where the rubber meets the road. Like, I don't want to watch elders be bound to the synthetic drug that was just made up and no one had to do that before they came along. So it shouldn't be something that we have to keep doing. Well, also that comes with a laundry list of side effects that now we're used to watching. Yeah. You know, so I'm just, you know, I think when we talk about culture, yes, some of that culture can be the experience of life and are we in this pill culture? Or are we on the... What do you accept? Culture comes with what do you accept? Like in San Francisco, there are some things that people do not accept, and one of them is the bashing of LGBT. Now, you'll have like your little sector, but for the most part, people don't deal with that. Now, that can happen in the South. You can talk all day long and make a couple jokes. Maybe one or two people will stand up and say something. But out here, but out here it don't happen. So it's like thinking about that, too. Mm-hmm. And I will be – it will be irresponsible to 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 not speak to some of the things that that we are saying. And we're not just saying this is a revolutionary act just because it sounds cute. It is a revolutionary act. To have the audacity to speak up for the quality of life that people should have, bumping up against the norm in this country when it comes to medicine, flu shots, we just mentioned all of the medicines that are out there and that are readily available, but that come with tons of side effects that if it weren't a mandate, the average human being would say, you're, you've got to be kidding me. I need to take this and it's going to make me do what? What has the possibility of making me do what? And so it's a revolutionary act to speak against the medical industry. And maybe against is the wrong word, but I'm just going to go for it. Because cannabis has the ability to heal your body, to take you off of those medicines. And it's a revolutionary act to say that. It just is. And we all know that there have been people who have been killed for even coming close to proving it. But this is a plant. This is a flower. This is natural from the earth. And anytime you bring up that conversation and you go against the synthetic medicines that we're given, you got a problem on your hands. And so there's a lot of scrambling right now that's being done to see how this can be monetized and how the people at the table can get ahead of it so that 
we're back to square one and we're still offering the same thing, but they're in control. So if you're smart, jump on now. All hands on deck. And I say that because if the people speak up, we can say how we want it to go. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm saying all hands on deck because it can no longer be a conversation with the few who are willing to come out and be the the weed head of the community. Um, it can't remain on the shoulders of our hip-hop artists and other people who have been willing to kind of say that this is what we do. We need our attorneys. We need our doctors of various industries from a psychological perspective, from a medicinal perspective. We need all hands on deck. We need our bankers. We need people who have a handle on technology and where we're headed in the future on this. Research, uh, educators. You know, we have people who are working with youth with autism. There's got to be something that can be offered to even our youth. And we know that they're benefiting from the medicine. So how when we talk about people suiting up and being really ready to acknowledge the facts and look at when we face quality of life as a real issue, I think we have to talk about these pills and we have to talk about you know, how our elders are treated. We have to talk about what we're allowing our youth to live into and to grow into. Like that, that alone is enough for us to really think about because we will be the beneficiary of whatever we offer our youth right now. They will be the ones to see about us. (laughs) So we've got to really think about that. The twins, Melanie and Melora Green, medical marijuana activists, among other things. You may have seen them with the Black Woman as God. You may have seen them at the African African American Art and Culture Center. You may have seen them all over San Francisco curating art exhibits and speaking in all the works. It's an honor to have y'all on. Thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, let's not leave out the East Bay. We do a lot of work in Oakland, too. Oakland. No doubt. No doubt. (laughs) My bad. bad. So they will be some of the people that will be um, interviewed live on 420 at 1207 Sutter Street in San Francisco. Please come through, join the conversation. As you see, it will be lively. Hope to see you there. Do y'all have any contact info that people could stay at with y'all on? Particularly hmm, I think conversation. People can go to our twins on KPOO email. Uh, we're going to create another way, but right now that's the best way for people to connect with us, and that's T-W-I-N-S-O-N. K-P-O-O at gmail.com. And that's especially, this is a personal invitation for people who would like to say more or share or be in the conversation with us live on the air. We're on the air Tuesdays, 8 to 10 p.m. Um, and the dial is 89.5. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, so ma'am. we have 
10 to 15 minute powerful conversations with people and we love to invite you to be with us to have that conversation because we're going to do more of that. So my personal invitation, our personal invitation to you to join us. Um, so email us at that email and, and we love to connect. Yeah. We'll see you at the Queen of Hearts. Yeah, the Queen of Hearts, um, 1207 Sutter. 420. All day we're going to be doing stuff from 11 to 10 o'clock. Come through. Boom. We out. That was another edition of Block Report Radio with the People's Minister of Information, J.R. Tune in soon for another episode of that Pan-African Anti-Capitalist Kill the System Radio. Finger roll through blackreportradio.com when you get a chance. Until next time, we out.